Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the Ogletree Deacons podcast. My name is Philip Russell, and I am your host for a new podcast from Ogletree Deacons called Dirty Steel Toe Boots, Handling OSHA Inspections, Citations, and Litigation. Dirty Steel Toe Boots is a podcast, well, just about that, all things OSHA. Inspections, citations, we're going to talk about litigation, that part of what happens if you contest a citation. It's going to be presented by myself, many of my colleagues, and we'll have some special guests from time to time as well. The intended audience for the podcast will be employers, and we're going to provide some thoughts, some ideas, some strategies and tips for you to consider. No legal advice, of course, for any particular situation. You all know that, but hopefully the content will be helpful to you all, whether you're in-house counsel, safety executives and their teams. HR executives and directors, and anybody else involved in an OSHA inspection, citation, or litigation, whether it's safety consultants and even job site foremen, safety supervisors on site, anyone involved in an inspection will hopefully have some great material for you throughout this podcast and all the episodes. So just a word about myself. I'm a shareholder in the Tampa office at Ogletree. I've been here for over 10 years. I've been in practice for over 26 now got over 10 years of very heavy OSHA concentration with over 125 lot fatality cases and hundreds of other kinds of cases. I've handled cases in over 20 different states involving various federal and state plans and work with a great team of lawyers. You're going to hear from a lot of those colleagues during this podcast. You're going to hear from Deanna Hayes here in Tampa, Jaslyn Johnson in Atlanta, Melissa Bailey, in our DC office, Eric Hobbs, who's also our practice leader. And we also have you cover for Cal OSHA. We'll hear from Karen Tynan and Kevin Bland. They also have their own separate podcast focused on Cal OSHA stuff, but we'll see if we can get them to join us here too. So why am I an OSHA lawyer? I, I do this to help people. I really do. It's not just a matter of practicing law or being an advocate for the employer side. It really is, I have seen through all these cases, it to make the ability to make an impact on humans, on people. I started posting every day on LinkedIn on February 4th of this year, and I've posted every business day since. Well, okay, with the exception of one really great fishing day, didn't get a post up that day. But I have found that by doing that LinkedIn posting, and then I think now this podcast, it's really been an opportunity to add to what I already do in the field, which is to help employers to make places a safer place to work, to get everybody home without injury, illness, or fatal accidents. What we're going to do in this podcast is every episode, we'll keep it to under 30 minutes easily uh, so you can get some good content and go on about your day and hopefully implement some things. We'll go over an introduction. We'll talk about what we've covered before, what we'll be covering in the next episode. We will talk about an OSHA update. I'll give you real quick breaking news, anything from OSHA on enforcement, inspections, and policy, and personnel at the agency. After I do a news update, we'll give you a quick tip every episode about something that you could implement. And then we'll do a deep dive into the main topic. 
we'll talk about three different categories. In the main topic area, we'll talk about why OSHA might show up on a job site. What would have caused the inspection to occur? Was it a fatal accident? Was it a serious injury or illness of another kind? Was it a complaint? Was it simply a drive-by? Those are all reasons why OSHA might be there on your job site or in your plant. We'll talk about how to handle the opening conference. What are the things an employer should or shouldn't be doing? And get this, we'll talk about what the compliance officer should or should not be doing. I'll use an acronym from time to time, COSHO, C-S-H-O. That's your compliance, safety, and health officer. That's the inspectors from, from OSHA. Those are the folks that'll be showing up at your job site. And as I'll talk about in a few minutes, a lot more under the current administration. We'll talk about the walk around and we'll talk about what you do and don't from the employer's perspective, what we recommend in terms of walking around and, and, uh, and this idea of what's called the plain view doctrine that OSHA can write citations and conduct additional inspections on things that are in plain view. We'll go over the document requests and how they work. When OSHA requests the documents, how, do you, how should an employer respond? We'll talk about the employee interviews and some of the, the things to consider as do's and don'ts when it comes to interviewing OSHA interviewing non-management employees and management employees. And overall, just interactions with the compliance, safety, and health officer, with the co-shows, and with the assistant area directors and area directors in the various offices. We'll get some tips and ideas on how to do that effectively. So that's the first bucket of uh, topics we'll go into are the, the inspection topics. Then we'll talk about the citations themselves. What is a citation? You know, a lot of employers think that a citation is a report or a finding or a conclusion by the government. Well, it's not. In many ways, it is just the beginning of a process. A citation is simply an accusation. It is an allegation. It is the government saying to an employer that it believes that the employer violated an OSHA standard or the general duty clause. The employer still at that moment has a right to contest that citation because a lot of folks also don't know that OSHA does not decide if OSHA got it right. In 1970, when the OSHA Act was passed, Congress set up a separate federal government agency called the Occupational Safety and Health Review Commission. We just call it OSHRIC or the Review Commission or just the commission. And it's a three-member commission appointed by the president, confirmed by the Senate, that looks at whether OSHA got it right or not. And there is a process by which there is administrative litigation where an employer gets a chance to do just that to try and contest the citation and show that maybe the employer or maybe OSHA got it right. Maybe the employer actually did not violate a standard or the general duty clause. And we'll talk about those things. What are specific standards? We'll dive into some of the standards and we'll talk about the general duty clause, how it works and how it's not supposed to work uh, from various cases. We'll also talk about the handling the informal settlement conference. That's the 15 day, 15 working day period under Fed OSHA in which the employer and OSHA try to resolve the case without going to further litigation. But of course, if that's not possible, then the employer has a right to contest the citation. And we'll talk about some of the reasons an employer may want to consider contesting a citation and how to go about doing that, which leads to that third bucket of topics we'll dive deep into, which is the litigation section. This is what happens after an employer contests a citation. 
we'll talk about the solicitors. Who are they? You know, many people sometimes will say that, well, why, why should I hire a lawyer to represent me in this OSHA matter? Uh, won't OSHA be mad if we have a lawyer? Well, the fact is OSHA already has its own lawyers, and they are the solicitors in the United States Department of Labor, and those folks represent the government. So OSHA already has a lawyer. Uh, so I think that's, uh, that's something we'll talk about. Who are the solicitors? What role do they play? And how the litigation process works. We'll talk more in detail about the review commission and how its rules of procedure come into play. And just like you may have heard in typical court, you'll hear things like pleadings and discovery, depositions, and we'll talk about hearings and appeals and find out how that process works. We'll do some deep dives there, uh, possibly even talking to some folks who have uh, who've maybe tried a case or two, uh, my colleagues and some others. So we also, from time to time, will bring in some guest speakers. We're going to talk to uh, some other Ogletree attorneys in our workplace safety and health practice group, uh, perhaps some of our leave of absence experts, some other lawyers from our traditional labor, and some of our employment litigators, and get their perspectives on some OSHA issues as well, and how sometimes your OSHA case might impact or lead to uh, another case in something outside the area of just uh, dealing with the government from the OSHA perspective. We also may bring in some experts from outside the firm, some former co-shows and OSHA leadership, uh, policymakers, safety consultants, vice presidents of safety, maybe perhaps some of our uh, some of our in-house friends in safety and the legal world will join us and talk about what their experiences have been. So for today, that's the podcast that we're going to have for you. We're going to be rolling that out. Uh, soon. And this is, of course, the first episode, but I did not want to leave you with just an introduction. So for today, here's your OSHA update and quick tip. So the update, we have a new administration. And of course, the big question is setting aside COVID for a moment, what should employers expect from the Biden administration with regard to OSHA, with regard to workplace safety and health? Now, I said to set aside COVID for just a moment because we have talked a lot about COVID uh, in both the, uh, our blogs, we've done uh, webinars for our clients, and have addressed that topic in great detail. And yes, we certainly are in a different world now than we were a year ago, but the focus really seems to be shifting to what other hazards are in the workplace that need to be addressed and so we will talk about COVID from time to time, but we're also going to begin to really talk about those other workplace hazards, fall protection, crushed by hazards. We're going to talk about trenching. We're going to talk about silica. We're going to talk about some of these other workplace hazards that may not have gotten the attention they otherwise would have gotten over the last year during the pandemic. So the big news coming out of the new administration early on and certainly recently with Secretary Walsh. Secretary of Labor Walsh testifying in front of Congress is that the Biden administration would like to double the number of co-shows. And the argument there is that OSHA does not simply have enough field personnel. There are not enough area directors, assistant area directors. OSHA having opened up the Orlando office is also looking at other places around the country to see where it may need additional offices. But overall, what employers should expect is a dramatic increase in the number of compliance officers. Now, some folks view, and I think it probably is more my view, is that 
not only should there be an increase in number, but hopefully Secretary Walsh and, and the rest of the leaders at the Department of Labor are also looking at quality. I think that those folks, the men and women doing that job, certainly can use some improved training. And I think they would tell you that themselves, that, that there are sometimes having to do inspections for which they really don't have any background or qualifications. So I think we can also improve quality there. And I think that's something we can all agree upon. So with more compliance officers, of course, employers should expect there to be more inspections. And with more inspections, of course, employers should expect there to be more citations and less negotiating. That's the only thing I can say that I think that will go down, and that is the negotiating of citations in that informal settlement conference period. That is likely to go down, and we've already seen that. Uh, Time and time again, since the new administration has taken over, we have seen OSHA dig in when I think otherwise they might not have been as strident about their position that was in the initial citation. So as a result, we will have to, and we already are, contesting more citations, and we will then, of course, have more litigation arising out of those contested citations. I think that the Review Commission is going to be more important than ever before. As I said earlier, they decide if OSHA got it right. OSHA does not itself decide if OSHA got it right. So I think it will be important for employers to understand what their rights are, how to handle an OSHA inspection, how to handle a citation if one is issued. And and really, the key here is to how do you implement best strategies and practices to avoid or minimize a citation? And that's many things that we will talk about on this podcast, many of those strategies and tips and ideas. And I'm looking forward to getting feedback from you all as well, very much like we do on our blog posts for the firm and then the LinkedIn postings. Lots of great feedback there. So there are really things, some, some things to consider. Uh, and I'm switching on here from the update under the Biden administration. But if you're an employer, you're listening to this podcast and you hear that, well, there, there are more inspections coming and you need to be prepared. What do you do? Well, there are four things. And there are four things that employers must have in place before OSHA ever shows up, whether it's a result of a tragedy, tragedy, whether it's a result of a complaint or a drive-by or national enforcement program, whatever the reason, four things that employers must have in place. And I'll go back and go through each one of these and tell you why. Number one, it's a really good, robust safety program. What are the rules? What are the things employers are told to do and not do when it comes to the primary hazards in your work site? And are they covered in a robust program, a safety program? And there are various components. This is an area we'll do a deep dive in in a future episode. Number two how do you, as an employer, how have you communicated those rules to employ to your employees? Do they know the safety program? Do they know the important components? Have they been effectively trained in those high hazards, uh, in, those, um, in the hazards that are most likely to be present on your job site or in your plant, whatever the facility is? And I'll tell you, just a side note, I, I think our experience is that most employers tend to do well when it comes to items one and two, the safety rules of the program and the training. But items three and four tend to be more challenging for most employers. So number three is enforcement. So if you don't have consist if you don't consistently enforce your safety rules, 
OSHA generally takes a position you don't take safety seriously. If you are not doing what it takes when someone breaks the rules, then you don't have a real safety program. It doesn't have any meaning. It doesn't have any teeth. So that does mean that from time to time, as the employer, someone has to face some disciplinary action. Is it coaching? Is it a first step, third step? Whatever the progression is. But at some point, someone has to have their job in jeopardy if they are putting themselves or somebody else in harm's way. That's not only good for avoiding OSHA liability, but it actually does save lives and minimize accidents on the job sites. Another one, the fourth element, is compliance reviews or audits. And what this essentially means is what do you do as an employer to ensure that your rules are being followed? What do you have a worksite audit is what sometimes they're called, or a checklist or a spot inspection is what and one of my clients calls them as a spot inspection. Whatever it is, you need to have in place a process by which you determine uh, if employees are following the rules. It's closely related to that third element of enforcement, but it's not the same thing. It is the proactive ability of the employer to go out and find out if folks are following the rules or not. The enforcement piece is what do you do if you discover they are not. Now, these are very four important elements. They're all important because they not only help save lives and keep people out of harm's way, keep employees out of harm's way, but those of you who have been watching the LinkedIn posts and have maybe heard this before, if I've given this in a seminar or a webinar, is that these four items I just discussed also happen to be the elements of, I think, the most misnamed defense in OSHA law, and that is the unavoidable employee misconduct defense. Now, the reason why I say it's misnamed is because it really, if you think about it, doesn't have a lot to do with the employee and what the employee did or did not do. Those items, if you think about those four items, it really is about what did the employer do or not do. And that's the key. So that's why those four things are so very important to make sure that employees are safe, that you're keeping them away from known hazards or recognized hazards in the workplace. You've got your rules, your program in place, you're effectively training, you're making sure that you enforce and you're trying to put in place a process or you have in place a process by which you detect whether your employees are not following the rules. But these four elements not only help keep employees out of harm's way and avoid those recognized hazards, but these four elements also help the employer even when tragedy strikes. So even if there is a fatality, OSHA does not have to write a citation if the employer can show that it did these four things. That's why it's called a defense. It is what's called an affirmative defense under the law, that even if something bad happened, even if an employee broke a safety rule, if an employer had all those items in place, then there is a chance, legally sufficient and legally supportable chance, that the government will not write a citation. But it really has very little to do with what the employee did or did not do. The focus really is on what the employer did or did not do before the accident or the incident occurred. So that's my message for you today. 
I think that's a good start to the podcast. It's a good way to introduce what we're going to be doing with this podcast, what we're going to be jumping into, uh, why we're going to jump into these topics, and hopefully help make workplaces all over uh, a safer place to be. It is one of the first things we do when tragedy strikes is to determine what happened and why as best we can, but to make sure that the employer is taking immediate steps to make sure this kind of accident never happens again. Before I close, you may be wondering about the name of the podcast, Dirty Steel Toe Boots. Well, those of you who follow me on LinkedIn, you already know the answer. I actually own Dirty Steel Toe Boots. They are what has taken me into the field time and time again to do fatality inspections, to spend time with the men and women who are working very hard jobs, sometimes in in tough, tough conditions. And my dirty steel toe boots were really a reminder to me that particular day about how hard they work and about why I do what I do. One of the reasons I am an OSHA lawyer now may not be the reason that got me into it, but one of the reasons I do what I do and how I do what I do is that I actually did lose a family member in a workplace, uh, in a workplace accident. So it does impact me. I always remind folks, I was with a client yesterday doing some training for their supervisors, managers, and employees about what to do if OSHA shows up. But before we even started talking about that, we talked about looking left and looking right, putting your hand on the shoulder of your coworker, and just trying to visualize what it would be like if they weren't there. And that made an impact and got their attention. And I think we all had a better discussion as a result of it, because that's what it's all about. And that's what hopefully Dirty Steel Toe Boots will be all about. I hope to make an impact. I hope to get some feedback from you all, from my guests from in the firm and other places to go out and try to make a difference as best we can. Thank you all. I will see you next time on the next episode of Dirty Steel Toe Boots. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.